the optimal life. So how did you suffer your traumatic brain injury? What happened? Uh, um, I actually was rushing around to change, change clothes, go and spend the afternoon with my son. And I lost my footing, fell backwards in the laundry room. And um, in the process, I moved the dryer about half a foot. And um, yeah, I moved the dryer a half a foot backwards. And um, that's when it all took place. So what happened? Did you slip and fall and, and, and crack your head? What? Yes. Do you remember what, do you remember any moments after that? Or are you completely blacked out? Oh, no. Um, it really didn't feel like I lost any time. Um, fell backwards. And it was a moment of shock. And then, of course, pain. Um, of course, hollered in the moment. My son actually was close enough. He heard me hit the dryer. So he came running. And, um, you know, we just, I've always heard people say, well, at least my parents, you know, put on the boots, pull up the big girl pants and just get going. So I knew I was going to be in pain. And I went, I grabbed an ice pack, put it on my head, knowing I would be in pain. And I went, I spent the day with my son. <laughs> And uh, me, maybe was a good decision, maybe not. I don't know. Um, it was about a month later that my world kind of came crumbling down because the pain just kept getting worse. And it was nearly impossible for me to do my massage appointments. My world changed at that point. You said that maybe it was a good idea, maybe it wasn't, that you spent that day that you had the injury with your son. What, what does that mean? Um, you know, someone has said, oh, my God, you should have gone and had your head tested, um, had a scan, gone seen the doctor, rested, whatever. Um, I just... I just took it for what it was. It was a life experience. And I was not about to tell my son to go and do his own thing. He was going to go off to college in a couple weeks. So I was like, no, I'm a big woman. I, I can do this. Gotcha. Yeah. So you said about a month goes by mm -hmm. and then your world comes crashing down. Yeah. How and why? Um, good question. Okay, so at that point, my husband at the time, uh, he was aware that I had sustained the head injury. Um, but it wasn't until he asked me to try and keep up on additional housework. You know, I, I worked from home. I kept everything in good condition. It's just every once in a while you get busy with work and life and every once in a while things go to the side. And he was working additional hours at that point and was like, could you keep up on my laundry? And I just, I was in excruciating pain when he asked. I fell to the ground, 
but just exhaustion. And he's like, oh, um, take a week off. See how you're doing. That week turned into a month. And that month I tried again. Um, we're looking at, at that point, I used to be able to do 90 minute massages and I could only do 30 minute and I could only do them about once a day. So it was very slow starting again. And, um, that first you were a massage therapist, correct, Jennifer? That was your full time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I owned my own practice. Mm. Um, and that first day off that I actually felt I had permission to take time off. Um, One of the things I just, you know, reflecting, I asked why. And some people say, never ask why. Um, But that was an eye opener. I asked why. And I distinctly heard because you stopped listening. Mm. You stopped. Who, Who did you hear that from? Call it your higher power, call it God, call it whatever you are comfortable with. Um, But it was very distinct, very clear. Um, I do believe in God, but I have no issues if people choose to call other things. Um, But yeah, so it wasn't the first time I've ever heard a message from God. And it was always usually you didn't listen. What were you, what were you not listening to? Okay. So I, at this point had already spent three years of insomnia. I could sleep like fall asleep, but not stay there. And, um, so every morning I would wake up and, okay, I'm going to have a good breakfast. I'm going to take care of clients, family, life, and meditate, yoga, whatever, and eat well the only thing that ever took place was taking care of the clients, taking care of the family, taking care of the house, not me. I was not taking care of me. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. Not for long. So you weren't listening to all the, you weren't listening to the signs that were around you for those several years of saying, I, I, Jennifer, need to take care of myself first and foremost. You were ignoring all of that. Correct. So this is in your 40s when this happens? Um, yes. So your kids are how old at that point? Uh, let's see. Um, my son had just graduated high school. He was getting ready okay. to go to college. And my daughter was in the last year or two of high school. So your kids are, they're grown kids. They're going through high school. They're about to go to college. You have this brain injury and this epiphany type moment where all of a sudden you realize, hey, I'm an empath. How do you come to that conclusion? Um, Well, all my life, I've actually been an empath, but there was never a word associated with it. So um, it was after hitting my head and the only thing I could do to pass time was read. And in reading, I already had a huge bookcase of, you know, spirituality and self-help and just, I was always drawn to that direction. 
Um, I had books on um, sensitive, I think HSP, hypersensitive people, um, empaths. And as I just started cruising the bookcase, I started noticing things that this is me. This is who I am. Oh my gosh. This kind of changes things because now I actually felt like I wasn't alone. I wasn't as different as what people made me out to be. So, um, you know, people ask, well, what are some of the signs? Um, it is a little different for different people. But typically, you might experience some that have a hard time in public around lots of people. Um, they get exhausted fast, whether it's additional people or loud noises, um, could be even lights. They're just, they're more sensitive because their being is open. And because it is so open, they just naturally absorb it like a sponge. And at some point that sponge can no longer hold what it has and you need time to recharge. Is that why it's dark there behind you? The room looks somewhat dim. Do you, are you sensitive to lights? Sometimes, not always. Um, part of it is just the lighting in the room I'm in. <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted to get into some of those, the traits and characteristics. And I've, I'm, I'm on healthline.com. I want to take you through some of these and just have some quick dialogue about each one of these different things when it comes to empathy. Well, really, when it comes to being a quote-unquote empath, it sounds like you always felt these things and you felt sensitive and you felt uh, maybe uncomfortable in certain situations and you never knew what it was growing up uh, until your adult life. And then it sounded like once you were able to put a label on it and identify it, that really was really helpful to you. Is that correct? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. So let's go through some of these then, Jennifer, and um, tell me what you think. We can talk about, you know, one or two minutes on each one. And, and just just for people listening to give them an idea of some of the things that you've gone through, maybe other people are going through, themselves are going through, and they can kind of say, huh, maybe this is maybe this has been what I what I'm dealing with. So they know how to address it. So, um, OK, characteristics, closeness and intimacy can overwhelm you. It says empaths often find frequent close contact difficult, which can make romantic relationships challenging. True or not? Um, for myself, there's, okay, there's different forms of intimacy. Of course, you're speaking of more the romantic side. Um, actually, I prefer one-on-one -on -one you know, that, that bond, that time alone. Um, it, my husband used to say, I am not a microwave. I am in oven that like for me, he would say, Jennifer, you're not a microwave. You're an oven. You need time to warm up. Mm. And that's because I am a mental, um, and emotional, um, as an empath, I pick up on people emotionally, mentally, physically. And so 
it takes a while for some of that to move to the side so I can be open and responsive. So when you say one-on-one, you are more comfortable in a one-on-one conversation like what we're doing right now versus a group of people? For the most part, yes, Um, because I'm not a person who likes just to mingle. I don't like the small talk. Um, I'm fine in a group where there is actual stimulating conversation. But even with that, because there is so much coming in from everyone and I pick up on all of those different little unseen details, um, I do sometimes have to excuse myself. Oh, wow. You have to excuse yourself because you're feeling such high vibration energy that yes. it becomes it just becomes overwhelming. Yes. Interesting. Now, what about when it comes to intimacy? Does it take you time to warm up, quote unquote, with your husband? You know, um, my husband was not present a lot during the marriage. Um, so because I connect first with people through emotions and conversations, um, it was very hard to have a relationship with him because he was not around. There was no communication. Um, So are you guys not together anymore? Correct. Okay. Um, So, but as a massage therapist, you know, that in itself, it's a healing, intimate session. Um, There's obviously no romance or anything going in that direction. Um, It is strictly you are my client. Um, But hands are on their arms, their legs, their back, their neck. And you feel the muscles, you feel their energy. It's very intimate. It's one on one. And that always felt safe to me. Back to your husband, do you think that he was not present and not available because he was tired of the years and years and years of trying to work with you on different things and he just didn't understand what you were going through and he wasn't able to be empathetic himself? Do you feel like maybe your sensitivities and your who you are pushed him away? Yes and no. Um, his yes best and friend, no. yes and no. His father was his best friend. We happened to live right next door to his parents. So he spent a lot of his time with his father unless he was working. Um, he had no problem telling me that if his dad was available, um, his dad would take front seat. Um, but in the regards of you have to be emotionally intelligent in order to truly understand empath i feel um that is what i've experienced that's also what i've experienced after hitting my head and going through therapy that is both talk and physical therapy um it was a combination of to release what's going on, you have to also release from the body, not just talk and mind. Um, And so you have to be emotionally intelligent in order to. Now, can two empaths 
coexist. Yeah. You, if you, if you have a a partner, your next husband, can he be an empath as well, or is that just going to yes. be like a complete disaster? No, um, actually, <laughs> um, both my son and daughter are empaths, and uh, the three of us, um, you know, mom, son, daughter, but also best friends. We get along extremely well. What about in a romantic relationship? Same kind of thing. You think it's okay? Yeah. Okay. As you guys just as... you guys just sit in a dark room, spend a little one on one time together. <laughs> Sounds like a romantic night. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, as long as both empaths are emotionally aware and intelligent and open to communication, um, that is a huge plus. Communication is a huge plus, whether you're an empath or not. 100%. Yes. Uh, let's move on. Uh, some more of these on healthline.com. You have good intuition, it says. You ever felt yeah. like you have strong gut reaction to things that feel a little bit off? Maybe you pick up on dishonesty easily or just know when something seems like a good or bad idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a big um, one. That's a big yes. one, right? Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. Um. Pretty good at knowing the lies. Um, you can usually feel it. You may not know what specifically is the lie, but you know something is just not right. Um, but at the same time, if someone comes to me and they're like, oh, I want to do this and da 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 da, if it's to quote unquote my son, uh, you know, a, a hell yes response, if you, I feel it. If it's more of a, mm, this is not a smart decision. I feel that. How do you handle that, Jennifer, when you're sitting there in a group of people or with one other person and they're misleading you, you feel very strongly about it. Your your radar goes up, your antenna goes up. This doesn't feel right. I know the person's bullshitting me to some extent. Mm -hmm. How do you then handle that from that point? Well, Back in the day, before some of the uh, therapy, um, that kind of helped me to discover more of my comfort and um, the relationship my husband and I had, pros and cons, et cetera. Um, there was a lot of yelling, a lot of arguing. It was not pleasant. Um, but there also, it was like, I was sensitive enough to be aware, but I wasn't a hundred percent aware of what. And so to try and be heard and understood, there was always a lot of confrontation. The I, interesting thing, I'm not a confrontational person. Most um, empaths are not, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. So, um, once I learned there was not a lot of boundaries, and once I got comfortable with setting those boundaries and finding the strength within who I was and am, um, then it became more talk, more conversation. And now when I come across someone that is bullshitting, so to speak, um, if it's affecting me directly, I just, no, no, thank you. And if it affects one of my loved ones, um, if I am given that opportunity where I can pull them aside and say, heads up, I will. Otherwise, I just excuse myself and let life happen for others. 
Do you think this empathic, uh, empathetic behavior, this this identity that you have, is this something that you're born with, or is this learned behavior, or is it a mix of both? Could be both. Um, empaths do have certain gifts. A lot of people that are what they call spiritually gifted do tend to be empaths. Um, but just because you're an empath does not always mean you're empathic. You don't always show empathy to other people. Um, there is a difference there. Um, I was actually taught how to be empathic and show people that you care and you're there to assist them emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever. Um, I was taught that. But my mother's side specifically was always very open to different gifts that has just kind of been in our family. Um, again, you know, back in the days, people didn't have words for them. It was just who we were. It's a blessing and a curse, correct? You, you could, you could, yeah. Sometimes it's great because you're able to understand what's going on around you. And sometimes you wish you didn't understand what was going on around you. Yes. Um, I will say um, there have been times when I've known someone was going to pass away before it happened. And those were hard to take. And of course, you're hoping you're wrong. Um, back in the day, those those usually happened in less than 12 hours. Oh, geez. Um, I hope you're not feeling that with me right now. <laughs> no, no. Um, but um, I've also, in the last couple of years, experienced where I was aware of something was going to happen um, to either someone or within a family dynamics, but I didn't know who. Um, and that could be as long as a year to three years. Mm. Those those yeah i don't wish those on people that's incredible uh continuing on you have a hard time not caring according to healthline you have a hard time not caring and empath doesn't just feel for for someone they feel with someone true until you learn to set boundaries um, I do a lot of clearing my energy, setting my energy, so I'm only accepting mine and no one else's, and that works, but there are times when it still gets overrode. So, yes. You need time to recharge. Yes, very much. Um, not all empaths... Um, sway away from groups. Some actually prefer groups because that does charge them. Um, I myself, I can handle people, stimulation and groups for so long. And then once I feel it's starting to overtake me, then I need my space. And that allows me to charge. And you often feel like you don't fit in. We kind of alluded to some of that a little yes. bit. Group settings, one-on-one. -on -one. It says, despite being highly attuned to the feelings of others, many empaths find it difficult to relate to others. Is that true? Um, 
see, for me, I would say I actually relate too much to people. Again, I was taught um, to um, kind of mirror people and their behaviors. So because of that, I became very in tune to where people mentally, emotionally were mm. at that given time. Um, so I actually relate very well to people, but people don't always relate well to me. That's what I think the, they're trying to say here, that other people, okay. it's hard for them to understand you really is, is what it says. Gotcha. Uh, you tend to isolate. Is that true? It says you tend to isolate. Isolation can help empaths recover from overwhelm. So completely shutting out the world may seem healing. Yes. But prolonged isolation can take a toll on mental health. Correct. Correct. Um, that is one of the reasons why I strongly believe for those three years uh, before the head injury, I had insomnia. I was go, 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 go. And it was going for everyone else. There was no time for me mm. so yeah and then finally you have a hard time setting boundaries yes she's smiling yes until you finally meet a person who says you have no boundaries you need to set boundaries first and foremost and once you learn how to do that then you can start to find more peace with it what did you do specifically for yourself with boundaries? Um, instead of allowing people to walk over me and my just being a people pleaser and accepting it and taking it, I started to say, this is where I'm at. This is what I can do today. Um, if it works for you, great. If not, you know, better luck next time. I used to be the one that would always go and visit my family. And I was back in town and I told him, I said, I've got a lot going on. I'm going to have to stay here, but I would love to see you. So if you want to come to me, I'm open. And that was my way of setting my first boundary with my family. And those that were able to, they did show up. How did that feel the first time you did, the first time you actually did that? What was that feeling? A relief. It, it was actually more of a relief because having always been a people pleaser, um, I didn't know how people would take it. And when you go through a healing process and you're setting your boundaries, those who are used to walking over you and taking advantage, um, they, don't, they don't take well to it. Um, so my family was okay with it. Um, my husband, not so much. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. That had to be very liberating. And then once you do it once, you're going, okay, I can do this again. In building yes, blocks, correct? Exactly. Um, the first time or two were a little tough. But each time, exactly, you're just laying a block on top of another one. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the book and finish it off, I just wanted to uh, ask, they, they do say that there are three types of empaths. If you had to categorize yourself, Jennifer, which one of the three are you? And then explain why. Um, so here are the three types, emotional, physical, or intuitive. 
Wow. Um, you know, I have read where supposedly you can be all but one tends to stand out more. Um, so with that, I would probably have to put at the top of the list physical because I will physically feel pain and I have to sit down and figure out where it's coming from because I know it's not mine. It's not wow. organically mine. And I can be 750 miles from my family back home and be picking up on something from one of them. Mm. And I feel it physically first. But when I sit down and start to like look at my family members, then intuitively one of them just kind of jumps out at me. And so that's how I know it's one of them. Um, emotionally, yes, I connect very well with people emotionally. Fascinating There's, stuff. So uh, yeah. your, your book is called Take on God. Is that correct? Correct. Take, take on God. Now, that title is really, that scares me, that title. Because <laughs> I know I wouldn't want to be taking on God. I'm not going to leave that tell you that. It's so the, yeah. Talk it's to the, us a little bit about the title of the book, the meaning mm -hmm. of the book, and, and who are the type of people that should be consuming your book. Okay. Um, it's a play on words from the band AHA, Take On Me. Take and, on me. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that correct. one? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And basically we're saying, okay, God, you have taken us on with, you know, our spiritual journey. You've like set out these things in motion that we have been walking through and going through. So we're going to take you on as our partner through it. We're taking you mm. on so this is to teamwork. walk this with is, us. This is not, yes. we're not squaring up with God one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, trust me. There have <laughs> been times we've had moments where we're like, what yeah. is going on? <laughs> That's a hundred percent true. Every human being on this planet has felt that yes. way at some point. Yes. Yes. So take on God means, okay, you're taking God with you. Okay, go ahead. Um. So our book is about our spiritual journey. Um, the things we've gone through, the things we've learned, um, and where we are going to yet in our life, where we're moving forward. Um, who should read this book? Anyone who feels like there could be more out there, um, but don't know what more is. Um, because we, yes, we do refer to God, but at the same time, we are all inclusive and welcoming to your different beliefs in the book. Um, so if you feel like there could be more out there, um, if you feel like you're different, but you don't know why or how, or people treat you like you're different, it's very possible that whether it's been smacked in your face or just subtle moments of why am I different, you may resonate with at least the message behind the stories that we've experienced. So in, generally speaking, overall, what is the, what is the, what does the book teach you? What is the book helping people improve upon? It teaches them that for one, we're not alone. You may get in a point of life where you're like, no one understands me. I'm all alone. I don't know what to do. Nowhere to turn. You're not. Whether I ever meet them or not, 
um, you're not alone because not just being an empath, but just being a caring person, I care about you. So read the book. You're going to see that there is love. There is light. You're not alone. And there are people similar to you. Beautiful stuff. Guys, we've linked it in the show notes. If you want to learn more about Jennifer, her book, her mission, take a look at her website. You can buy her book. Uh, really appreciate this. This is very insightful stuff. And hopefully um, everything continues to only get better for you. I really appreciate you. your time. Yes. Yes.